Well, the story is told in an article posted on Ligonier's website about Abraham Lincoln. Uh, he was the American president known for ending slavery. He went down to the slave blocks and there noticed a young black girl up for an auction. Moved with compassion, he bid and won her. Upon purchasing her, Lincoln told the disbelieving young girl that she was free. In surprise, she said, what does that mean? It means you are free, he replied. Does that mean, she said, I can say whatever I want to? Yes, my dear, you can say whatever you want to say. Does that mean that I can be whatever I want to be? Yes. Whatever you want to be, you can be. Does that mean I can, wherever I want to go, I can go? Yes. You can go wherever you want to go. And the little girl with tears streaming down her face said, Then I will go with you. Then I will go with you. Admittedly, this account is probably more legend than legit. Yet it communicates an important spiritual truth. Like that young girl on the slave block, we too have been redeemed and set free. In our passage today, Paul uses slavery as an example from everyday life to explain the relationship or our relationship to the law now that we're under grace. Do we have a relationship with the law or do we have a relationship through grace? Are we obligated to obey the law or are we free to sin? And Paul concludes that since God has redeemed us from the tyranny of sin's slavery, it is right that we offer ourselves freely to him who has redeemed us. Just like that little girl in the story. The title of this sermon, if I were to title it, is A New Allegiance to a New Obedience. A New Allegiance to a New Obedience. And the main point is... Christ set you free from the dominion of sin, so offer yourselves as slaves to God. Christ set you free from the dominion of sin, so offer yourselves as slaves to God. In this passage that we're looking at, Paul continues to use that strategy of asking and answering questions. So we'll follow his format. Let's consider first the question. Now, remember, back in chapter 6, verse 1, the question was, shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? And Paul's answer there was, by no means. Paul explained there that through our union with Christ, we have died to sin. He closes that explanation about dying to sin. Saying, 
in 6.14, Sin shall no longer be your master because you are not under the law, but under grace. And that leads to this next question in verse 15. Well, what then? Shall we sin because we're not under the law, but under grace? Basically, the question is getting at, if we're not under the law, then how are we to live? What are we to obey now in this already but not yet time? Well, let's think of the answer. Point number two in verses 16 to 19. Again, it's a very strong by no means. And Paul explains... This answer, why he says by no means, using what he calls in verse 19, an example from everyday life. Let's read those verses one more time in 16 to 19. Don't you know that when you offer yourselves to someone as obedient slaves, you are slaves to the one you obey, whether you are slaves to sin, which leads to uh, death. Or to obedience, which leads to righteousness. But thanks be to God that though you used to be slaves to sin, you have come to obey from your heart the pattern of teaching that has now claimed your allegiance. You have been set free from sin and become slaves to righteousness. I'm using an example from everyday life because of your human limitations. The first thing we're going to look at is slavery and allegiance then. Slavery at the time Paul's writing was a part of everyday life. A slave could be a person who was forced against their will to work for an owner. A slave could also at that time be someone who was offering themselves as a bondservant to pay off a debt. That they owed. And they would work for that person until the debt was paid. Slavery still exists, even though it's illegal in nearly every country in the world. It's estimated that in 2019, over 40 million people were enslaved. So you think about this. In my own mind, images of Yazidi women standing on the slave markets being forced into marriages that they did not want still burdened my mind. The value of their lives so grossly cheapened and degraded. But there may be milder forms of enslavement that come to your mind, uh, certainly to mine. Passports being withheld to limit somebody's mobility. Wages being held back for months at a time. Threats made to keep workers from leaving or speaking out about the abuses that they're receiving. Women being told they can't go out of the house because of protection. It's for your protection, honey. These are all mild forms of slavery that are happening right here around us. Now, though the Bible talks about slavery as an everyday example, the Bible does not promote slavery. In 
fact, in 1 Timothy 1.10, Paul specifically names as sinners those who enslave others. 1 Timothy 1.10. And in 1 Corinthians 7.20, he says that slaves should seek the freedom if they have the opportunity. Slavery is every day. It's still, unfortunately, a useful example for the point that Paul is making. But Paul's point here is that we all must obey something. We are all slaves to something. Everyone is born a slave to sin. In, in, in that sinful nature that is passed on from Adam. But those who trust in God's freely given, undeserved offer in Christ are redeemed from that master sin. The tyranny of sin. Now you, you might have expected, for instance... That the opposite of slavery, being redeemed out of slavery, would mean freedom. Anybody remember Braveheart? Freedom! It's the cry of our heart. But Paul doesn't say that. We go from slavery to freedom, does he? Paul says, we go from being slaves to sin to being slaves to God, slaves to righteousness. You know, as we were talking about this earlier this week, if we were to live for ourselves, if we were to be the master of our own destiny, the ruler of our own world in our own way, we would still be in Sin's bondage. Bound up in our own sin. That desire is the same as Adam's. And that's what got us into this slavery at the beginning. The opposite of slavery to sin. That bad master whose end is death. The opposite of that is slavery to a good master. The, our creator, the one who knows all that is good and right and true, the one who has demonstrated his love for us in that while we were deep in the bonds of sin, he died for us and for our salvation. It is in Christ that we have been set Free from sin. We are redeemed like that little girl in front of Lincoln. And like her, those who are redeemed say, I will follow you. Christian, what are you living for? Are you living in this freedom that Christ has purchased for you? Has your understanding of what he's done kept you close to his side? 
Because he's the one who has delivered you. Keep in mind, you cannot live you cannot live for God and live for sin at the same time. It's impossible. And Jesus says the same thing in Matthew 6:24. He says, "No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. You cannot serve both God and sin. Friends, believing in Jesus means you are set free. You are no longer obligated to sin. You don't need to obey its commands. You are free to offer yourself to God to become obedient to righteousness. As verse 17 says, to obey from your heart the pattern of teaching that has now claimed your allegiance. That pattern of teaching that's claimed our allegiance what that means is our full commitment and devotion, allegiance. It's, it's, it's that pattern of teaching is the gospel. It is the gospel. The gospel gives light to understand what God has said in the Bible. That it's so much more than simply do my law. God has demonstrated his love throughout the Bible to redeem an enslaved people. We see it all through the scriptures from from the people of Israel being redeemed out of Egypt, even even to first Samuel. It's it's not the law that God desires from us, but it's obeying his word. 1 Samuel 15, 22 and 23 says, Does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as in obeying the Lord? To obey is better than sacrifice. And to heed is better than the fat of rams. For rebellion is like the sin of divination and arrogance like the evil of idolatry. We've seen this this same pattern of teaching in Paul's Paul's teaching in Romans up to this point. It's the same pattern that can be seen throughout the New Testament. And after God's creating and humanity's falling, this pattern of the gospel flows like this. There's the call of God's free grace that's proclaimed. And then those who believe are saved. And then those who are saved follow in holiness. And Christ will bring them to be with him forever in eternity. That's the flow. That's the pattern of teaching. We hear God's call. We believe and are saved. We walk in holiness until he comes again. The theological words for this are saved, justified, sanctified, and glorified. 
Are you a believer? Are you a believer in Jesus? Then understand that God has a right to your allegiance. Setting you free from sin's dominion, he has every right to lead then those he redeems. But I, but I, want, I want you to think of it more positively than that even. You see, because in love, God freely gave his grace to save. And in gratitude, the saved freely obey him now. In love, God freely gave his grace to save. And in gratitude, the saved freely obey him now. And we're shown what obedience to God looks like through the word that he's given us. He's given us his word. Paul tells Timothy in 2 Timothy 1.13, he says, What you have heard from me keep as the pattern of sound teaching. With faith and love in Christ. So whatever we've heard from Paul, this is the pattern of sound teaching. But faith and love in Christ must always accompany the obedience of a believer. That faith and love. Because otherwise, obedience wouldn't be to the person. It would, again, be a law. We are... Following a person. Later on in 2 Timothy 3.16, Paul does say, All scripture is God-breathed. It's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. You want to know how to obey God? Read his word. A true Christian is a servant of God. And a student of his word. Now, now, members. Members, you are charged by our covenant to ensure that the pattern of sound teaching continues in this church. That's part of your charge. Both in the preaching from this platform as well as in the obedience of the members of this church. This is one reason why we preach sermons like this, expositional preaching through books of the Bible. The teaching from this platform should be God's word exposed to you, not man's word imposed on you. If you hear something contrary to God's word being preached from this platform, then please bring your concerns to the elders. And let us ever be, church, a community that spurs one another on to love and good works, as Hebrews 10.24 says. Our, our, co- our covenant actually commits us to this. That covenant says we will seek God's help to live carefully in the world, denying ungodliness and worldly passions, and remembering that we bear the name of Christ and now have a special obligation to lead a a new and holy life. Basically, what this means, it means to walk in obedience to God and to righteousness. (laughs) Exactly what Paul was saying, as slaves to God and slaves to righteousness. 
But we also commit in our covenant that we will walk together in brotherly love, exercising affectionate care and watchfulness over each other and faithfully encouraging and warning and rebuking and admonishing one another when necessary. Church, this is how we spur one another on towards obedience to God. We need each other to walk in obedience. I need you. And I'm sure you need me and each other. It's our obligation to live for Christ and to lovingly help one another to do that. Which then now brings us to our third point. Which is the results of obedience. This is verses 19 to 23. So offering ourselves to God based on his deliverance alone should be enough. But there is even a greater motivation in seeing the results of those two paths that moves us to follow God. Let's read again. Verses 19 to 23, picking up halfway through 19. Just as you used to offer yourselves as slaves to impurity and to ever-increasing wickedness, so now offer yourselves as slaves to righteousness, leading to holiness. When you were slaves to sin, you were free from the control of righteousness. But what benefit did you reap at that time from things that you are now ashamed of? Those things result in death. Now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves to God, the benefit you reap leads to holiness. And the result is eternal life. For the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Well, we'll look first at the outcome of obeying sin. And then we'll look at the result of obeying righteousness. So sin, Paul says, leads to impurity and ever-increasing wickedness, to shame and to death. Sin came into the world just after creation. There God said in Genesis 2.17, You must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat of it, you will certainly die. Death, according to Romans 6.23, is the final payment. It is the wage for sin. And Paul is actually nearly quoting Proverbs 10.16 when he he uses that verse. He says, that, that verse says, the wages of the righteous is life, but the earnings of the wicked are sin and death. Surely... You know this from experience that sin promises pleasure and happiness. And and indeed, there is a temporary satisfaction. Perhaps you were like me prior to knowing Christ, seeking enjoyment in life through sin. As, As verse 20 says, the one thing that we were free from under sin's rule was the control of righteousness. So if you were like me, you did whatever you could to not obey righteousness. (laughs) I was 
In those days, I was the most popular among my friends. I had everything relationally, or so I thought. I, 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 was, I was the head of the class. I, people looked to me. But once I met Christ, I realized all those relationships were shallow. How quickly they dropped me once they knew I had become a Christian. But in Christ, almost immediately, I found the relationships with a depth, a depth of love that was able to challenge me and yet stay with me. And oh yeah, sin promised temporary satisfaction through drink and drugs and sexual pleasure. But the body's demand for such pleasures always cries out for more. One day, the Lord put in my heart a wondering. There's got to be more to life than this. Surely. Well, perhaps you were like me, or perhaps maybe you were like others who sought to avoid sin by obeying the rules and the laws, being straight. You, you perhaps hoped that someone would see and approve. You thought that as you sought goodness, you realized, I, I'm not reaching my goal. I can't be good enough. And you certainly miss the holiness that God requires. Again, sin promises fulfillment but delivers brokenness. It promises happiness, but delivers hopelessness. It promises life, but delivers death. That is sin's result. And Paul says, sin is the master of all who obey. It's almost the same thing that Jesus says in John 8.34. He says, all who sin are slaves to sin. Look, if you haven't trusted Christ to save you, you are not as free as you think you are. You are a slave to sin and the sinful nature. As a slave to sin, you are cut off from God. Isaiah 59, 2 says, Your iniquities have separated you from your God. Your sins have hidden His face from you so that He will not hear you. The only way out of this slavery of sin is the redemption that God provides. That's why Paul says in verse 17, but thanks be to God. Because God has done what you cannot do. A slave needs someone from the outside, someone like Abraham Lincoln to pay the redemption price. And since death is the only price accepted by sin to loose the chains that it has on people, then redemption could only come through death. And Jesus paid that price. Jesus died as a substitute sacrifice, a substitute sacrifice for those who believe and receive it. 
He could do that because he lived a perfect life without sin. He, he, death had no hold on him. So when he died, he rose victorious from the dead and was victorious over sin and death. He broke their chains. Romans 6.10 says that death, he died. He died to sin once for all. And now the life he lives, he lives to God. Friend, through faith, you can be united with Christ in his death and resurrection. You can be released from sin's dominion. Because Christ has finished the work. He's done it. His call in the gospel is going out in the good news. It's even this good news that I'm sharing right now. Is he calling you? Is he calling you? Your responding will reveal his calling. So will you respond? Will you respond to his call? Will you turn from your sin, repent, and believe the good news? Get up from that pit of sin that you're stuck in. You don't have to live in it any longer. There is more to life than that. You can shake off the chains of that sin because he's broken those chains. And you can follow him. Turn your allegiance to Christ and to a new obedience. Now, now Christian, I want to remind you also of two things as we think about this part. One, remember your former slavery. Remember. From time to time, it's good to remember the sins that you used to be bound up in and enslaved in and things that you would now be ashamed of. And praise the Lord. Praise the Lord for releasing you from sin's dominion. But think also, is there still progress? Progress needed in in cutting off those chains of sin and in turning loose those temptations? Have you, have you placed guards in your life to keep you from returning to those sins? Consider even here your brothers and sisters who can help you, who can hold you up. Secondly, Christian, remember that sinners are slaves. Non-believers are slaves. Sin has a hold on them. They've not been freed by Christ. So don't be surprised by their sin. Or even the, 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 the depth of their sin or the things that they could do. Oh, my goodness, I can't believe they did that. No, of course they are. That's what sinners do. They sin. (laughs) They're obeying their master. So don't, don't be surprised at those things. But listen, we've got to be clear with them concerning the gospel. 
Only Christ can free them. No behavior modification, no lifestyle change is going to do it. So telling people to quit that sin or start certain disciplines, it won't save them. It's not about praying more or or praying in a certain way that will save them. Only Jesus will save them. It's not about abusing drink or substance. Or quitting that, I should say. It's helping them to see Jesus. Giving them a good picture of who their deliverer is. So don't make slaves to sin into slaves of the law. Don't make slaves to sin into slaves of the law by neglecting to preach the gospel. Because that's what we do if we just tell them to do good, do good. We must speak of Jesus and we must pray that the Holy Spirit will bring the appropriate conviction of sin. It's why I pray that for the leaders of this country. Because only the Holy Spirit convicts of sin and righteousness and judgment. Okay. The result of sin is shame and death. Let's contrast this now with the benefits of obeying God. So verse 22. But now you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God. The benefit you reap leads to holiness and the result is eternal life. Those who have been, those who obey God have been freed from sin through Christ. And the first benefit then is redemption. Redemption itself. Deliverance from sin and, and its resulting shame and death. That's benefit number one. We are free. And being redeemed, believers then offer themselves to God to obey righteousness. And the benefits there are holiness and eternal life. Paul talked about this allegiance. Think of it this way. It's like a person emigrating from one country and taking on the citizenship of another country. Means learning the laws and the rules of that country, you're there for a little while, and after some time, they will ask you to pledge allegiance to a new leadership, committing to obey the laws and the leaders of that new country. Listen, it's it's the same here. A new allegiance leads to a new obedience. We pledge allegiance to Jesus. And we obey. We walk in obedience. So how do we walk in obedience to God while we're still in this body that is so used to sin's rule? Well, the start of it is that God says, like he does in Ezekiel 36, 26, 27, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I'll remove your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. 
And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. See, the Holy Spirit will move us to follow carefully in God's ways. The Holy Spirit will do that. But we must move with him. We walk with him. We keep in step with him. Here here are five ways to train your heart to be in step with the Spirit in order to obey God. Number one. Number one is obey from the heart. If you have become a a believer, then you have a new heart. So obey from the heart. (laughs) You're not trying to obey to impress somebody outside. You're not trying to to get praise from others. In fact, if you're seeking the praise of others, you, you may just get it. But you risk forfeiting or losing out on the praise from God. Jesus says, don't do your works so that others can see it. We're working for the praise of God. Secondly, how do, we, how, do we, how do we keep our heart in tune with the Spirit? Come to church. <laughs> Don't avoid church. Don't let anything hinder you from gathering with God's people to worship the one who's delivered you. Listen to the songs, to the prayers, to the scriptures, to the sermon. I'm glad I'm looking out and nobody's asleep right now. Take notes. It's a good idea. It helps you to reflect on what God may be speaking to you personally through the service. You know, come to church because you can go to one of the dinner or discussion groups afterwards and And talk more about these things. Press deeper in those truths that we've been talking about here. Third thing, read the Bible and pray. Read the Bible and pray through the week. Don't just wait till the weekend for that to happen. Now, many of you do this, and I want to commend you for that. You are taking in the nourishment of God's Word. But I want to repeat it. Because I know there are also several here who don't. And look, if you're struggling to be consistent in your Bible intake, in your prayer time, then ask someone to help you. Ask someone to be your partner. My partner is Chris. And we have time together with God every morning. We're using the app on the phone There's actually a way you can sign up to do that together. Let me encourage you to do that. You don't even have to be in the same house like we are. You can be across the oceans and and sign up for a partner to read with you through the Bible. Do it together. Well, that leads to the fourth thing. Which is spend time with believers. Spend time with believers through the week who talk about these things. Don't let Friday be the only day you talk to the Christian community. 
engage people. We've got amazing technology, folks. Pick it up and make a phone call. It, it really will help you walk with Christ. Fifth thing. Fifth thing. Put these things into practice. James 1.22 says, Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. You know, it'll lead you from simply training your heart to offering every part of yourself to God as a tool for righteousness, just like we spoke of last week. Well, listen, Paul has given this example from everyday life to explain all of this. And I don't know if he intended this connection, but the call to believers is to an everyday obedience. He uses an everyday life experience, but he's calling us to an everyday obedience. Obeying God from the heart doesn't take a vacation. There's no holiday for holiness, people. Becoming a slave of righteousness means obeying all of God's ways, not just the ones you like. In other words, there should be no holes in your holiness. The Spirit is with you every day. He's not taking a vacation. He does not sleep or slumber. He is your helper. When you fall, He will be your advocate, your lawyer. He will never leave you nor forsake you. If you believe in Christ, the Holy Spirit lives in you and will be with you. And remember, he whom the Son sets free is free indeed. Indeed. Our chains are gone. We've been set free. Amen? Well, let's pray and then rejoice in our salvation And when we do that, we're going to sing that song, Amazing Grace, with the part about our chains are gone, we've been set free. Pray with me. Our Father God, we bless you. We thank you that you have redeemed us from the bonds of slavery. We are delivered. We have been set free. Oh, he who the Son sets free is free indeed. Lord, may we now, like that little girl, offer ourselves to you to follow. Offer ourselves to you as slaves of righteousness. Offer ourselves to you every part as tools for righteousness. We pray in the name of Christ. Amen.